trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned cause it's Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining us, as always, is the other faithful host, Rich Rich, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good, and yourself? I am better-ish, so for those who don't know, I was in the process of moving, so we took a little bit of time off while uh, some craziness from that happened, but I've now moved, I am now in the frozen north, which is not really frozen, in fact, it was like 90 degrees and crazy humid the day I had to unload my truck, and then the very next day, a cold front came through, and it was like in the 60s. And so all I can say is thank you, Mother Nature, for, well, making my life hard, you bastard. Also, all of my cold weather clothing. And I, no, I'm not saying that 60 is cold. Okay, I'm just saying that it's cool. I'd kind of like a light jacket. Yeah, that's packed in a box somewhere. I got to dig that out. So, yeah, I'm surrounded by boxes, but I'm now surrounded by boxes in a new place as opposed to the old place. So that's kind of cool. Nice. And uh, we have now successfully moved all of Card Advantage to the north, right? Because you're in Minnesota. Yep. And I'm in I'm in Michigan now, so only states that begin with M. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I suppose one of us could move to Montana. I guess. No, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. All right. I'm I'm kind of happy with with Michigan because the wife's here, so that's good. Anyway, I'm doing well. How about you? How was your week? It was good. It's a, it was a week. <laughs> I suppose that's better than a week that wasn't. Uh, I, it is true. I guess. I don't, I don't even know what that would be. Maybe a coma? Yeah, let's go with a coma. Yep. Huh. Well, tonight we are going to attempt, attempt, I stress this, attempt to catch up on something that we have been woefully negligent on, and that is listener feedback and interaction. So we always ask that you guys write in or tweet at us, and some of you even do, and we love it when you do. We enjoy reading them. We even sometimes remember to respond to them, but only sometimes. But every now and then we like to share some of the feedback that we get with you folks on the air. So today is a mailbag episode. So we're going to dig back into the archive of the mail, and we're going to share some emails that either uh, could spark some discussion or that really deserve an answer. Uh, if you emailed in and we have not answered yours, we apologize. We've only got so much time for these on the air. We'll, we'll get to it, I promise, one of these days. Probably this winter when I'm snowed in. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, our first email that uh, I would like to talk about comes to us from a listener named Eric who wrote to us all the way back in May. And uh, he had several questions for us, but there's one in particular that I want to talk to you about tonight, Rich, and that is, he asks, uh, would you, asking both of us, would you prefer to cube draft from the following? And to me specifically, he says, would you prefer a no blue allowed cube or an only red cube? And for Rich, he wants to ask, how about a no green allowed cube or an only blue cube? Which would you prefer? So, Rich, which of those two options would you prefer? Um, no, uh, no green allowed. Okay. I love blue, but as people who also know, I also love 
I play a lot of different other decks and colors. Some don't even involve blue at all. Right. So, how could, yeah. How, yeah, how could you do a blue-black control strategy if you didn't have black? So Exactly. Right. So of those two options, you're going to vote no green allowed. So on mine, I was asked no blue or only red. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to go similar to you. I'm going to have to say the no blue is what I would definitely want to try. And, uh, here's my theory on that. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love red. I am a red mage through and through. That is absolutely true. But anyone who's ever played cube, and I am not a big cube player. I've done it several times with some friends. I, uh, I guess you could say I uh, I cube socially. I don't really cube on my own or go out of my way to do it, but I I do it sometimes. One of the problems with cube is that there's setup involved, so you you have to make the packs and then you have to, you know, do the whole draft and then when you're done, you have to break the 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 decks you've made back down and put them back so that you can do it all again next time. And if you're going to do an only red cube, the amount of time you're going to spend setting up and taking down is going to completely dwarf the amount of time that you actually play games because everything's going to be so aggressive that those games are going to be over quickly. Now, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because recently, and I think it might have been at the Pro Tour, there was some coverage I was watching just a couple of weeks ago where there was a mono-red mirror match that went on, and that match actually went on for quite some time because playing... Uh, red aggro against another red aggro deck is a very, very tight rope to walk. One misstep and you're dead. So those games do get slower than, than you would necessarily think. But no, I, th- I think it would be better to have a no blue allowed cube because that gives you some diversity, uh, in the format, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, like, what's an all blue cube really gonna be like? Uh, an all blue cube, I think, will be, uh, hell, I think. Yeah, hell. I mean, it's all counter spells and bounce spells and the occasional really good creature. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I love blue, but I also mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't like just blue. I like blue to be mixed with stuff. Right. It's a, uh, something and blue, or blue yeah. and, so there's gotta be that and in there, I guess. I mean, like, you, I know you like mono red and stuff, like, I don't, I don't think I've really ever really made much mono blue. Mm-hmm. I, I think my my first few decks that I built were all mono colored, just to try and stick with the theme as much as possible. I had a a white weenie that was mono mono white. I had a red burn that was mono red. I had a a green ramp deck that was all big green stupid creatures. Uh, more on that later. Green, uh, I'll I'll say. Uh, all right, so that was the question from Eric uh, from back in May that I wanted to answer. Now, moving slightly forward in time, in June, one of our listeners, Stark Maximum, who has written to us on multiple occasions, great guy, uh, s- sent us a question about a problem with his DCI number. And I only want to uh, bring this up because if anyone out there in listener land has any confusion with their DCI numbers at all, and this is my chance to stand on a soapbox and talk about DCI numbers, uh, the nice folks at Wizards Customer Support can fix virtually any DCI number problems you have. Now, when you go to a tournament, you have to have a DCI number. Your DCI number is how Wizards tracks your progress in a tournament. And in theory, there's a one-to-one correlation of people and DCI numbers. But now and then, people can end up with multiple different DCI numbers. 
And that that happens because you show up to a tournament and you don't know your DCI number and they can't find you in the database because finding you in the database is not as easy as you think it is because, you know, you get that DCI card the first time you get the DCI card and you're supposed to go home, go online and fill in your details with that DCI number. So your name and your number and your address and all that kind of jazz, you're supposed to fill that in. If you don't, the only thing the system ever knows is that someone with that DCI number played a game. So finding it can be a problem later on. Anyway, people can end up with multiple numbers because they get to a tournament, don't know their number. We can't find it. We have to give you a new one because we cannot enroll you in a tournament if you don't have a number. So all of this is a long-winded way to say, if you have a problem with your DCI number, you should contact the nice folks at Wizards Customer Service. And uh, I'll try and put a customer service link in the show notes for this episode so that if everybody's if anybody's in that that boat, they can take care of it. Um, I know my wife, this is to share an, an old story. My wife, when she first got involved in magic, she was studying overseas uh, in Wales, in fact. And uh, her DCI number, her early tournament results got really, really wonky because apparently at one point uh, a bunch of tournament information got kind of uh, shelved and wasn't entered right away. And when they went to enter it, they didn't really know what tournaments they came from. So her earliest tournament in her tournament history is a... Uh, God, it's a pre-release for a set she didn't even play in Glasgow, and she's never been to Glasgow. So, you know, the early stuff is real wonky, but these days they're mostly on the ball, and uh, they can fix that stuff. So I just wanted to mention his email just so that you guys know. Any DCI number problems, that's where you go. And if you do know your DCI number, but you you kind of forget it because you don't write it, you've got it like on, on an original DCI card in your wallet. Did you know that it's the right length of digits to save as a phone number? Yep. So just stick it in your cell phone as a phone number. Uh, for the love of God, don't call it, because I don't know where that area code is. But just save it there, and then you'll always have it. That's my advice. Unless you lose your phone, and that I can't help with, right? Right. So, sorry. All right, so uh forward to a couple more emails. We had a couple of listeners who emailed us with some similar themes, some similar comments. Uh, in particular, uh, a listener named Dan and a listener named Jeff emailed us in mid-July. Uh, we had recently been talking about the flip planeswalkers, you know, the ones that transform, the, excuse me, not flip, the transform planeswalkers. And we might have screwed something up about Chandra, maybe a little bit about what it takes for her to flip, because uh, any damage she deals is okay. And that's fine. But what both of them also took us to task about, and I think we need to address, is that Nissa, the, the transform Nissa, is actually better than we gave her credit for. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, well, that's actually, those are strong words coming from Rich. Uh, I, I think they're right. I think Nissa is much better than we initially gave her credit for. But remember, our rating wasn't for her transform side. Our rating was for her... Not transform side. Yeah, but even so, she's a Borderland Ranger, right? I mean, she only lets you get a forest, but if you're playing a green deck, that's not so bad. So yeah, she is, so she is not a uh, Borderland Ranger. Well, she's close enough. No, she's not. What do you mean? So she's just a forest. Borderland Ranger let you splash colors. She don't let you splash nothing. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
that's, I, I guess, true? I mean, you guess. That is spot on accurate. Yeah, hold on here. Okay, so Nissa Vastwood Seer. When she enters that, you can only get a basic forest. Okay, so she's not going to let you splash a color. Okay, that is a valid criticism. She's not quite a Borderland Ranger, but a Borderland Ranger also doesn't have a Planeswalker stapled to its backside. That is also true. Whereas Nissa does. And, I would argue, a pretty good Planeswalker stapled to the backside. I never argued the Planeswalker was not good. Okay. My whole thought process was I didn't like the the effort to flip her was not I did not like I I admitted in the episode that I would pay mana and just play that card as a regular planeswalker. Yeah, but you'd have to play so much green that I think you'd start twitching and fall over. Which actually brings up another question that I was asked related to this. So listeners would like to know those who have not listened to our show for a long time but might have only picked it up recently. Listeners would like to know, dear Rich. Why do you hate green so much? Why do I hate green? Yes, why do you hate green? Because I think green has... it's There's two colors of magic that really break the rules, and that's blue and green. And I think blue's way of breaking the... Granted, I know some are overpowered, I'm not going to deny that. I think some? green has... I said some. I, I gave you something. Just like, come on. Okay, okay. I think that there's green. The ramping doesn't bother me as much as some of like some of its the pump spells. And even those aren't it. But it's really the creatures, the efficiency and brokenness of some of their creatures, where you just there's just not responses to them. There's just not good responses to them, and I don't like that. Hmm. So you're gonna argue that green's creatures are too op? Yes. Okay. Over yes, I know, I know every color has a few ops, but overall, green has the most. I mean, Thrag Tusk. Okay. Yes, the sw- the Swag Tusk was a bit of uh, a mistake. It was a problem. I'll admit that. That's fair. But what about say uh, Snapcaster Mage? Would you not call that creature op? The the effect that that creature has yeah. is essentially run more copies of a card that you can only have four of. Yeah. I, I said blue, every color has some. Green just seems to have a little bit more. Um, there are creatures like, you know, you're pay, sometimes you're paying, you know, five for like a six six that has, there's no drawback. Right? <laughs> or, or in some cases actually have extra stuff stapled to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, the, the things like that were, and you know, you can, you know, you can just sit there and spit out, you know, fish, you know, you throw down a land or elf and then you throw a ramp, you know, a rampant growth and all of a sudden you're just spitting out huge creatures super early. And that's why I don't like playing against green. Hmm. Okay, so would you say that uh, the the primary reason that you hate green is that you don't really like creatures? Probably. Okay, that's fair. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say that's not my cup of tea, as it were. Okay, so related question, if I could follow up. Also, something that uh, a couple of different folks have pestered me about. Why do you hate Nissa so much? Why do I hate Nissa? Well, I can tell you right now because she is. And, and then. Ing, that's why I hate Nissa. <laughs> and that's why I hate Nissa. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to edit some of that. I'm sure you understand. 
but I, guess. I, I guess hopefully that will clear things up for listeners that, uh, that, you know, I, I guess I, I don't have anything more to add. Uh, okay, great. So, uh, moving right along. We had an email, uh, and this one kind of, uh, kind of will take us way back. Uh, we had an email from a listener named Shane, and believe it or not, I know Shane. Shane's an awesome guy. Uh, Shane works at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, a great shop, and you should check it out. I am so sad that I will not be there most of the time anymore. Sadly, I, I've moved away, but I will get back whenever I can. But Shane is going back and listening to our archives, so he's trying to catch up from the very beginning, and he's, he's still lagging behind a bit, but he got as far as our Cinco de Mayo episode, where we talked about five drops. And he has taken us to task for something that I admit is uh, a failing on our part. We missed four very important five drops that we should have talked about, and they were all four legendary slivers. Oh, I guess we didn't really talk about slivers much. No, we didn't. And that brings up an interesting point. We should probably do a show on slivers. I mean, I don't know if slivers are your thing. I like slivers. Um, I like the idea of them, I guess. I mean, I'm not, they're not, like, my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, so Sliver Hive Lord, Sliver Legion, Sliver Overlord, and Sliver Queen are all five drops. They cost Wooburg, uh, so they're all nice rainbow colors. And uh, they're all legendary, so you commander folks have probably seen these. Um, by the way, if you play a Sliver Commander deck, you're probably a bad person. No, there's no probable. Yeah, I'm not, well, you know, it's possible you got tricked. I don't know, maybe someone is holding your family hostage and making you do it, and that makes them evil? I, I don't know. No, there's no one playing Slivers that didn't choose to play Slivers. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Sliver life chose them, let's say. Anyway, yeah, I I think Shane, I think we're gonna try and do a sliver show at some point. Um just because I I think that would be interesting. Um even if Rich doesn't, but I I like tribals, I like slivers. I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about that are valid uh criticisms of some of the sliver design choices over the years. Uh but we'll see. Yeah, so slivers, look for slivers coming soon. I will add it to the possible future show topics. Is what I'll say. Honestly, it's not a bad one for us to do for Flavorcast either. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, how many sliver stories have there been? Like actual stories involving slivers. I honestly don't know. That's what I was like saying. We can ask. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's only a couple. But I mean, the elitist CJ will know. Yes. Yes, that is true. We will have to uh, send out the flavor signal. And uh, talk to CJ. All right, so we are cruising right along in our listener emails. And so I now <clears throat> would like to read to you a fairly lengthy email, a story that was shared with us by a listener, a listener named Chris. And uh, this was back in early July. And he says, in the last episode of Monday Night Magic, Dr. Science asked for our pre-release experience, and I thought I would share it with you guys. Trust me, I have the metrics and the nonsense to back it up. So uh, he decided to share with us pre-release stories. I love pre-releases, as I've stated many times. I have to start with some backstory. 
I live in Southern California, about an hour north of San Diego. My local shop is SoCal Games and Comics. It is an amazing shop. You should look it up. Anyway, we at our local shop have a pre-release tradition. I'm sorry, yes? I was say, that's our line, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that, though. As long as people are supporting their local store, I am happy. If their local store happens to be Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, I'm even happier. But they should check it out. Anyway, Chris continues. Anyway, at our local shop, we have a pre-release tradition called the Gauntlet. Running the Gauntlet entails going to all six pre-release events the shop runs. That means midnight, noon, and 6 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. No event is shorter than five rounds unless the requisite number of people show up. We only had two of them before rounds, by the way. We even give out shirts to the Gauntlet runners that say they've completed said event. Another thing you have to understand is since we are so close to San Diego, the shop actually has a booth at Comic-Con. With pre-release being that weekend, most of the employees were going to be in San Diego for the weekend. Being the great L1 judge I am, I volunteered to run the gauntlet as a judge. Three employees and an L0 studying for his test were my only help all weekend. With all that useless backstory, here are the things I noticed at my shop. By far, the most popular color was green. So this was the MTG Origins pre-release for those who are listening to this in the future. Green ran out at each event's allocation to the point where I had none for the last event on Sunday. With that said, green was obviously at all of the top tables, but I also noticed a lot of white and black there, too. With what I saw, I would say white actually had the best showing all weekend, and it is definitely on the top of my list for drafting. We had less than five boxes of each color left, except for blue, where we had somewhere in the 15 range. However, I don't want to say it is a bad color in this set. I got to play in one of these events, and I grabbed a blue box. I went undefeated with my deck. I essentially ended up with a blue-white Flyers deck with some pretty strong supporters, including Harbinger of Tides, Hyksis Prison Warden, Kithian, yeah, we decided it's Kithian, Kithian's Irregulars, and the Flying Anthem Thunderclap Wyvern, Weverin, 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 Weverin. My deck was a tempo-oriented, aggressive flyers deck that no one could answer. I had a hell of a time at these events, and so did my players. Everyone was very excited for Origins, and you could feel it in the room. We had an above-average turnout for a core set, which is good considering Comic-Con was less than an hour away. I'm looking forward to drafting... That's actually really impressive. Yeah, that's actually shocking. I'm looking forward to drafting this set and enjoying the end of the core set era. Thanks for listening to my rambling. Well, thank you very much, Christopher. And so, yeah, this this mirrors uh, a lot of the things that I've heard. Green was very strong. White was very strong. Uh, black was pretty good. Blue was unloved, but not that underpowered, if that makes sense. So those who were willing to dip their toes in the blue pool still did okay. It's just nobody nobody wanted to. Uh, but hey, man, running that gauntlet, that is impressive, buddy. Uh, having your brain not turn to mush after, you know, doing that many events on a weekend is pretty shocking. I can't imagine doing that as a player, let alone as a judge. Uh, I'm too old for that kind of crap. I mean, for if anything, as even as a player, that's just expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, I mean, you should respond. Do they give you like, as like a deal for trying to run the gauntlet? I mean, that's just that's a lot of money. Yeah, is it like uh, when you go to a steakhouse and you order that steak that's like the size of a table, 
and it's like if you finish it in in an hour and a half, it's free. I don't know, but uh, hey, that's that's interesting. I'm I good on you. Way to go! I hope you lived. I mean, you're writing this in the past tense, so I assume you lived, unless you're some kind of ghoul from beyond the grave. Which, mm, can't rule it out. Yeah, we can't rule it out, but hopefully, hopefully he's not. Uh, but it does bring up a question. Uh, how many folks do this sort of a thing on pre-release weekend? Now, I've, I've seen people at Atomic who had run, uh, usually the midnight, the Saturday morning, and the Saturday afternoon, but by then they lost their resolve to do the, the Sunday morning, just cause, boy, that's a lot of time without sleep. I think there was at least one guy who did all of them for Origins. And that's that's either dedication or insanity, maybe a little of both. Okay, probably a, a lot little. of both. Yeah. All right. So our next message that I think we need to have uh, some information on. Uh, this one comes to us from John, and John wrote to us in late July. So we're starting to catch up to the more recent emails here. Uh, and John had, uh, some comments about our Battle for Zendikar predictions, cause we had made some predictions about Battle for Zendikar. And he writes with the following. Uh, I have an interesting prediction for Battle for Zendikar. I think that the nine planeswalkers that are story related will all appear in the set. They are Gideon, Nyssa, Chandra, Jace, Soren, Ugin, Nahiri, Kiora, and Sarkin. That's a lot of planeswalkers. That is a lot of planeswalkers. There may be a new planeswalker as well. My prediction for how they fit 9 to 10 planeswalkers into a space where only 5 cards would normally be is that there are planeswalker cards with multiple planeswalker subtypes that depict 2 or more planeswalkers working together. This theory is supported by the fact that there isn't anything in the rules to prevent a planeswalker with multiple planeswalker subtypes from existing, as well as all the art for the set so far has depicted two or more planeswalkers together. We might get an Ugin and Jace card that has abilities that reflect both planeswalkers. Having this planeswalker on the field would prevent you from also controlling another Jace or Ugin planeswalker because you would control two planeswalkers with the same planeswalker subtype. What do you think? Now, before we delve into what we think, I will mention that a listener, and I don't think it is the same listener, although I don't know how Twitter handles work relative to, to people, but we did have someone whose Twitter handle uh, lists them as Frank, uh, say that he had a solution to the too many planeswalkers in battle for Zendikar, and he put together some mock-ups of multi-planeswalker cards. And, uh, I thought we'd take a look at a couple of these as we delve into this discussion. Uh, but he, he, he mocked up some, and they're definitely interesting. We retweeted them. Uh, he hit us up on Twitter, so we retweeted them from our Twitter account. Uh, what, about a week and a half ago or so? Around August 12th. If you want to dig into our Twitter feed, go look around August 12th, 2015 to see these, uh, retweeted, uh, by us. So, Rich, what are your clues? I think it's interesting. Um, they're unique. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they're likely. I don't want to see them. (laughs) Why don't you want to see them? Because the thing about planeswalkers is, I know some are very nice and not so, you know, um, 
locked into one thing. They're not, they're not niche. Mm-hmm. But even with them like that, there's still a time when some of their abilities might be worthless. Um, once you start getting two planeswalkers in there, they, their versatility increases so much. And I don't want to see that. Right. Cause the option, well, I shouldn't say the options that, that were shown to us, cause I can't say Watsy would do that, but the options they showed us had like plus one, do this or do this. And I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at one of these, uh, to talk. So I, I think you're onto something here. I think that, uh, you know, planeswalkers as a concept, as a, as just a, a mechanical concept within the game, they can be dangerous because if they are too versatile or too powerful, they end up in all the decks, right? I mean, take a look at Jace the Mind Sculptor, right? It was a card that was both too powerful and too versatile. Having so many abilities on one card meant that playing it in a deck of that color was a complete no-brainer. Just stick it in, you're going to get use out of it. So uh, I think you're right. I think having more than one Planeswalker together broadens the horizons, broadens the scope of their abilities a little bit too much. And so I don't think it's something that we're likely to actually see. That said, it is interesting design space. So I'm going to read one of them that uh, Frank on Twitter uh, had suggested. And uh, let's, you know, since uh, Ugin and Jace together was something that was uh, mentioned, let's take a quick look at that one. So here is Ugin and Jace. It is a Planeswalker Ugin slash Jace. Its cost is five blue, 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 so a total of eight mana for a Planeswalker with five loyalty. And I want to stress once again, listeners, this is not a real card. This is a fan-made card, so this is not coming in Battle for Zendikar to our knowledge. If it is, I would apologize for having this spoiler, but no, this is the closest we'll ever get to an actual spoiler. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, it has the following abilities. Plus three... Draw two cards, then exile one from your hand. Gain X life, where X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. Holy crap, that ability is way too powerful to be printed on a card like ever. Yep. And certainly not as a plus ability. My god, that is so good. You get two cards, and then you gain some life while you exile a card you didn't want to have anyway? I, I, I don't know. It seems crazy. Anyway, minus two. Draw two cards, then exile one from your hand. Deal X damage to target creature or player, where X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. This one is more interesting because it's a minus ability, but it's giving direct damage to Ugin and to Jace. Now, Ugin does have uh, kind of a burn ability, so I guess it's not that far flavor-wise. And we're getting card draw off of Jace. We're doing some exiling, so it's also Ugin-like, so thematically it fits. Not sure about the cost, but thematically it fits. Now we get to the uh, the biggest problem I find uh, with this particular card. Minus nine, you gain an emblem with. You may cast non-land cards from your hand without paying their mana costs. So we'll just give you omniscience on a planeswalker? For Not cheap only that, too. I mean, that's real cheap. Yeah, yeah. Particularly because the it's got that plus three ability. Man, you're getting to nine fast, real fast. And once you get it, they can't deal with it because it's an emblem. Yep. So, 
Uh, but again, you know, you see these things that, uh, that fit together thematically. So I, you know, I kind of like, I like it conceptually. I think this particular one, way, way too powerful. Maybe we'll read one more. Let's read the other one. That's, or the, read the Soren Nissa one. Soren and Nissa. So we're going to take Rich's. That one doesn't seem as powerful. Yeah, but we're going to take Rich's favorite planeswalker and Rich's least favorite planeswalker and bring them together into a sitcom that will, I, I guess, yeah. drive him insane. Who, whose idea was that, by the way? Putting those two together, it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, they are both trying to save Zendikar, I suppose. Uh, okay, so it costs a green. Last time I checked, Nissa helped ruin Zendikar. Mistakes were made. This is true. Uh, yeah, costs. A green, a black, and three for a Planeswalker, Soren slash Nissa. It has four loyalty when it enters, and it has the following abilities. Plus two, choose one. Target forest becomes a 4-4 four, four elemental until end of turn, or target swamp becomes a 2-2 two, two elemental with flying until end of turn. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, we're going to animate a land, but the land is either green and big or black and flies. So something from each of them. I guess it doesn't really, I guess maybe Soren made it a vampire? Cause I mean, Soren did make vampire tokens and they were two twos with flying, right? Um, one of the instances. Yeah, so okay, I guess that fits. That's fine. Minus three, choose one until your next turn. All creatures gain plus one or plus two, plus one and trample or until your next turn, all creatures gain plus one, plus two and lifelink. OK, so a little um, bit of green. I don't, like that. I don't like the black getting a lot of plus two. That's not what black does. Yeah. I mean, I get I get why, but it's still not what black does. Right. I mean, Soren had the uh, tokens got better, right? Um, yeah. Yes, and, and they get, they got plus one plus O. Oh. Right. Yeah, making making their butts bigger seems a little bit weird. Uh, but you know, lifelink is a black ability. Trample is a green ability. I see where he's coming from. It's not bad. I I think it should probably be all creatures you control instead of all creatures. But the way it's worded, it's all creatures. Uh, and minus ten until end of turn. Take control of all lands an opponent controls. Untap these lands. They become plus three, plus three elementals with haste and death touch. Okay, so just end the game? Because by the time you get to that minus ten, I mean, you had to have five mana to cast this thing. And by the time you get to that minus ten with a plus two, you're probably taking somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, eight lands from an opponent. And... They've got haste and death touch, so even if your opponent blocks them, well, either they kill their own lands, or uh, all of their creatures die. So yep. no, no matter how you slice it, yeah, oh man, that's, again, I think that's a little overpowered. But you see how, uh, flavor-wise, we took a little bit from Nyssa, which is let's make some creatures out of lands, and we took a little bit from Black's Color Pie, which is, I guess, death touch? Uh, black gets haste now and then, so yeah, we get some haste in there. The thing is, like, I wouldn't say it's not in black's color pie. Black gets anything it wants as long as you pay a price. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's what black is. That, that's what black is. Yeah, this doesn't have a, a, enough of a price associated with it, I guess. But uh, fusing together two separate colors on a planeswalker has been done, right? We've seen yeah. multicolored planeswalkers. It can be done. Uh, however. 
the roles that different planeswalkers play, even within their color pie, is much more narrow than just everything that black does or everything that green does. I I can't really see Watsy going down this route, but it I w- hope uh, I, I just hope not. Okay, that's that's fair. That is absolutely fair. Okay, so let me mark this one here as uh having been taken care of. Uh but thank you, thank you both John and Frank for your your thoughts. It's certainly an interesting design space. I'm skeptical, but it is an interesting design space, is what I'll say. Uh, all right, next up, we do have, uh, let's see, now I don't know that I actually marked this one. We took care of that one, and that one. Nope, I don't know where that one went. Oh, oh, it went up here, that's right, he responded to, uh, to that. Okay, all right, sorry, I, I lost track of something in the email there. So you may recall uh, Shane, who emailed us earlier in this episode uh, about uh, five drops. As he was catching up, he also found our From the Vault contest. You remember our From the Vault contest, which was about a, a year ago at this point? Yep. And uh, he's sad that he missed it, but he did have a suggestion for his own From the Vault that I'd like to share. Because I think it's interesting, uh, which is From the Vault Villains. So he takes major villains from across the multiverse and jams them together uh, into his set. And here's what he suggests for his From the Vault villains. We've got Nicobolus, Planeswalker, Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite, Emrakul, the Eons Torn, Xenagos, God of Revels, Rizzlebrand, Memnark, Konda, Lord of the Ganjo, that's got to be a Kamigawa card, yep. Sliver Queen, Limdul the Necromancer, Obnixilus the Fallen, Mishra, Artificer Prodigy, Baron Sengir, ah, oh, good old Baron Sengir, Krovax the Cursed, Order of Yagmoth, and Nivmizit Draco Genius. So hey, those are, those are some good villains from across the multiverse. And I have to say, I, this is actually a From the Vaults I could see them doing. Me too. That's pretty well thought out, although it is a lot of, um, Real powerful stuff. Yeah, well, that's there aren't enough bad cards in here, right, for this to be a true from the vaults. There need to Kinda, be at least yeah. two or three cards that go. Why is that there? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But other than that, I I like it a lot. Uh, but I also bring this up because we are going to have another contest coming soon. I'm just teasing you here, TBA. Uh, we did have a listener supply us with some uh, interesting cards for some prizes, and I'll give you guys more details about that uh, eventually, but not yet. But soon, I'm just letting you know, just teasing, we will have another contest where we're going to need you guys to flex some creative muscles uh, coming soon. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, I know. This is, this is breaking news. News to even Rich. But uh, yeah, so more on that later on. Not now. Okay. Breaking news. That's right. This just handed to me by me. Uh, okay, so let's see here. Okay, Calvin. Calvin sent us an email back uh, at the very beginning of August. We were talking about flavor back on uh, episode 95. And I think I had made a comment uh, about how the events on uh, two different planes, specifically the two different planes that Chandra was on in the origin story, 
that it was very similar, the kinds of things that were going on thematically, that you had this uh, kind of oppressive regime that was kind of putting down certain kinds of magic and being very controlling. Uh, and he, he offers the following suggestion. Uh, those Planeswalker stories take place before the first book with Jace. In that book, there is a kind of criminal underworld where Planeswalkers move to different planes and perform a variety of tasks assigned by their leader. Its leader was Bolas, then Tezzeret, and last, as I remember, is Jace. This group under Bolas spent a long time starting wars, for instance, Alara, finding secrets, for instance, Zendikar, and putting his plans into motion so he could regain his powers from before the mending. Uh, I forgot the name of the group, but I think it was the Conundrum or the Consortium or something, and I think the it con- is the Consortium. Consor- yeah, the Consortium. Yeah, so uh, he's suggesting that the reason these planes, the, the things going on in these planes seem so similar is that perhaps there is some shadowy organization behind the scenes pulling the strings, and that it might very well be the Consortium. And I gotta say, Calvin, I think you might be onto something here. I think that that is, uh, uh, it has a kernel of truth that I, I'd like to believe. I'd like to know more about the consortium and what's going on with it these days. And I'm hoping that we'll get some more of that, uh, coming soon. I think we're gonna see, I hope, I hope we're going to see an explosion of flavor over the next couple of years as we settle into this uh, two-set block structure that's going to let them tell more grandiose and epic stories. Uh, so we'll see. I have high hopes. Um, first, we have to go, uh, you know, battle some uh, Lovecraftian horrors on Zendikar. But once we're done with that, we'll turn back to the more mundane Machiavelli schemes of uh, giant dragons, I think. But thank you, Calvin. Giant dragons. Yeah, I like that. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. It, did, it didn't even have to be under bulls. That could have been when Tezzer was there. He's not the best president in the world. Yeah, this is this is true. This is true. And that actually segues perfectly into uh, almost the last email that I want to talk about tonight. And uh, CJ wrote to us. Also in early August, not that CJ, not CJ Schrader from our Flavorcast episodes, but a a more different. Uh, CJ, and he has several comments uh, for us. I think I'll just I think I'll just go ahead and and read the whole thing here. Part of it we actually I've already answered, but first off, dig the show. Love the fact that you guys actually talk about the flavor. Was a little sad to see you guys go easy on Nissa. She deserves much more hatred than you guys put forth. I like this guy. Yeah, I figured you would. Okay, okay, that's probably just my personal opinion. Uh, but this is the person who ruined Soren's plan, was incredibly stupid throughout the entirety of every story she's been in, is super racist, and worst of all, had a worse card than Tybalt. Yes, I do truly believe her original card is worse than Tybalt. Okay, enough ranting on Nyssa. The rest of the cast seemed well done. Liliana's story had a few too many liberties, but for the most part, felt like an expansion on what we knew, as opposed to, uh, rendition. For future episodes, I have two requests. The first being that a reading of this Soren and Liliana fanfic you guys are apparently keeping for a rainy day. What you don't seem to realize is that you're sitting on a gold mine. That will sell quicker than pizzas at a Weight Watchers convention. (laughs) 
all right. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, okay, okay, seriously. I'd like to hear an episode on new Phyrexia with Karn and Tez. Honestly, anything with Tez, Soren, or Liliana, and I'd be stoked. But This I love- guy's a genius. Yes, <laughs> I knew you'd like this guy. But I love me some Phyrexians, and I know how much all of you love them as well. I'm just an enabler, I know. But we want more Phyrexians and more Yogmoth and more Urza. Remember to give people what they want, especially when it's something the whole cast loves. Uh, okay, so a couple of things. First of all, we don't actually have any uh, Soren Liliana fanfic. I can almost promise you that if you go looking in the wrong corners of the internet, you will probably already find some. I don't think you should. By, by wrong, do you mean oh so right? <laughs> I don't think you should. I want to stress that. You probably should not go looking for it, but I'm certain that it exists because the internet is a thing, and that's what the internet does. What's it called? The r- rule 48 or uh, rule 34? Rule 34, I think, is what it is. So, yeah, that's that's probably totally out there. Um, as for New Phyrexia, Karn, and Tezzeret, yes, that is something that we should get into uh, flavor-wise, and I'm sure we will at some point. Particularly Tezzeret, I think, would be interesting to uh, uh, to follow him uh, as much as we can. Uh, things have been kind of quiet from Tezzeret lately, but he was involved with the Consortium, so... He's involved with a lot of things. He's actually... He's one of those planeswalkers, kind of like Bulls, who's hands his hand in so much that his story crosses many different planes and um, sets. Yeah. So, yeah, CJ, that is that is something that uh, I think we will get to soon. I can't. CJ was this guy's last name Schrader? No, no, it was a different CJ. I swear. Although maybe maybe it's an alias. I don't know. Uh, well, wait a minute. He did say that he wanted more Yogmoth and Urza. That really does sound like C.J. Schrader now that you mentioned. Uh, there's nothing in here about his cats, though, so maybe not. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we will definitely uh, have something about Tezzeret and uh, Karn and, sadly, new Phyrexia. <sighs> I fear we're going to return to new Phyrexia in, in the not-too-distant future, and it it hurts my soul. I'll be honest. It really, really hurts my soul. All right, one it was last. A, it, was a po- it was a popular selling block, and sometimes I think sets magic sometimes has to look at sets like they look like movies look at opening releases. It made a lot of money in the box office. Let's make a sequel. It was a terrible movie. It made a lot of money in the box office. Let's make it. Yeah, but can't we be better than that? I'm not saying we should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying that sometimes that's how places are going to look at things because that's where the money is. Yeah, I guess that is a thing that happens. Granted, I think so much of that set was opened up strictly because they had Geist of St. Traft and Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. Uh, well, no, no, no. Those were both uh, Innistrad. Those oh, yeah, you're not right. New Phyrexia. Yeah, no, you're thinking of a good block. We're thinking of New Phyrexia, which... Everything. I, I, New, Phyre- New Phyrexia still sold well. It did, but I hated the Scars of Mirrodin blocks. So I know. Much. Oh I know God. clues. I, I've been on this show before. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You have. You've you've been on the show uh, all but one time, right? There was just the one episode that I think you yep. had to miss. So, uh, okay, we have one last uh, email that I want to share before we we uh, wrap things up a bit, and that is an email from uh, Dylan. 
So we had made a request from listeners to uh, tell us what they thought we ought to do for our episode 100, because that is barreling towards us very, very quickly. This is episode number 97 we're recording right now. 97, that's a lot of episodes. So Dylan suggests the following. We've talked a lot. Uh, we have. And, and yet we've only ever met in person the once. Uh, that is true. Dylan suggests, I think you should play a match with each other. Clues can play Legacy Miracles, and Rich can play a green elf deck with Nyssa. Love the cast and looking forward to episode 100. Well, thank you, Dylan. I'm glad that you enjoy the show, and uh, hopefully episode 100 won't disappoint? Question mark? Uh, I can think of some logistical problems here with this idea. So the first one is that uh, Rich and I are not in the same place. So playing a match against each other is tricky. Now, I'm not saying we couldn't do it. We might be able to pull it off. We could get some webcams. Uh, we could, you know, uh, do something that way. We, we might be able to make it happen. Here's where I start to have the real logistic issues. Let me start with this part of the sentence, the, the following words. Clues can play legacy miracles. Okay, all of those are English words. I recognize that. But when you put them together like that, they don't make any sense. Like Clues, I'm actually impressed that you recognize those as words. Yeah, it's it's I mean I had to I sat here for like twenty minutes before the show just staring at this, trying to parse it. And I get the clues can play legacy part, and I get the legacy miracles is a thing, but when you scrunch them together like that, it's just meaningless. It's completely meaningless. And then it gets even worse because he doubles down and he takes some more words and makes a nonsense sentence by saying, Rich can play a green elf deck with Nyssa. Mm, I don't think I can, actually. Yeah. I t- so there are three impossible things in this sentence. Uh, us playing a match together, that's only sort of impossible. It's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. We'll call it tricky. Uh, me playing Legacy Miracles, that's impossible. And Rich playing a green elf deck with Nissa, that's also impossible. And, uh, you know, I'm, I am a physicist, but, uh, two impossibles don't make a possible, typically. So, yeah. Uh, just like, I, just like two wrongs don't make a right, but three less do? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna say thanks, Dylan. Good, good, good try. We appreciate the, the feedback and input, but it's, it's all gibberish. It's all gibberish. Try again, I guess is what I'll say. And in fact, I'm going to encourage, encourage others, if you have a suggestion for what we do for episode number 100, well, you got two episodes left to get that information to us before uh, we've got to come up with something. So uh, let us know. Let us know. There are a variety of ways to do that, of course. You can email us, much as Dylan did, although try and make sentences that aren't gibberish, if you could, please. And you can email us at mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can find us on Twitter. We are at cardadvantage on Twitter. And you can, of course, find us on our website, which is cardadvantagecast.com. Um... Boy, it just occurs to me, did I actually say our Gmail address right? It's mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. Did I say that? I hope uh, that's what I it know. said. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I get on autopilot as we get towards the end of the show. So Let's just say yes. Yeah, let's go with yes. Whatever email address I gave out, that's probably right. Try it. See what happens. Um, I don't I don't know what will happen, quite frankly. Uh, anyway, so hey, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up this uh, this feedback here? Uh, I know I we've don't. Been, I'm good. 
I know we've been pretty bad about responding to emails. I'm trying to get on top of that. So I actually went through. I took some time before we recorded today and uh, responded to a bunch of these emails. So uh, sorry, folks. Uh, things are going to be less. I- I'm going to assume things are going to be less busy for me once the new job gets rolling. Um, if you're up at Central Michigan University, I encourage you to take one of my classes. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to be great. I can't prove that yet, but uh, we'll find out. If you're in Durham, North Carolina, I suggest going to Atomic Empire. It is a great shop, and you should check it out. I suggest that you support your local shop, whatever it may be, because it's how magic lives, thrives, and survives. All, all true things. All true things. So, hey, have you got any events that you're going to uh, in the latter half of the year here? Uh, not that I can think of. I, didn't, I haven't seen if, Star, if and when Star City's coming yet. They normally try to come. They normally come about once a year. Yeah, I don't have any events that I'm currently scheduled for, uh, mostly because I was focused on the move. Now that the move has happened, uh, sometime in the next week or so, I'm going to sit down with the GP and the SCG schedules and see what I can come up with to go to. I'm really sad that this weekend, in fact, I'm missing Eternal Weekend down in Philly, because uh, I, I love Eternal, as everyone knows. So uh, Legacy and Vintage are going on, so I'm sadly going to miss those, but... Couldn't be helped. Had to move. It was the only time I could do it. Such is life. That is life. It is. You know, life, it's it's bigger. It's bigger than you. And you are not me. Well, it's like they say, no life, no one gets out of life. This is true. This is absolutely true. Yeah, my, my wife and I actually uh, were talking about this the other day that uh, if you think about it, basically everyone is dying. The, the question is, are you acutely dying? Like right now. If not, it's okay. To, to say to someone, it's, you're not dying, not true. Okay. It's the speed of your death. Yeah, this came up because I was having some, some really, really bad reflux and, uh, cause I'm, I'm on medication for reflux. And when it's really bad, it feels like you're having a heart attack. So you literally feel like you're dying. And she said, you're not dying. And I said, I'm immortal. And she said, no, I'm sorry. You're right. You're not acutely dying. So there you go. Leave it to doctors. Yep. That's right. That's right. All right, so we've told you how to get a hold of us. Uh, we've shared some feedback with you. If you want to get a hold of me specifically, you can do that. Uh, the show email, I read that. Rich reads that. So if you want to get a message to one of us directly, you can do that long form. Short form, your best bet, your fastest way is just hit me up on Twitter. I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. Oh, I'm at... <laughs> I'm at Bad Mage... Eight pages of four. For some reason, I thought I already gave that info out. No, no, we actually, we stopped part way. We didn't quite get to that info. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, so, uh, there you go. This has been episode number 97, the mailbag episode, the periodic mailbag episode. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you all next time.
boy. Legacy miracles. The sad thing is that, that I'm assuming truncate silence is going to take off that gap, so we're going to act like there's a gap there, but there won't be. Oh, I can leave it in. Here, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll make a note of the time, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure the truncate silence doesn't take that one out. Since I'm going to have to uh, edit your, uh, your little rant earlier anyway, we'll edit that too. Maybe I'll add some crickets. No, that's too much effort. I won't add any crickets.